0: Welcome to HSDF, the podcast, a collection of policy discussions on government technology and homeland security brought to you by the Homeland Security and Defense Forum. Today's program is the second in a three-part discussion with government and industry leaders on improving cyber situational awareness and cyber threats posed by China and Russia. It features Riley Montgomery from the FBI Cyber Division, Jason Kane, Office of Investigations at the U.S. Secret Service, Patrick Flynn. Advanced Programs Group at Trellick Cybersecurity, and David Aguilar, former Acting and Deputy Commissioner at Customs and Border Protection. This program was recorded in conjunction with the HSDF Policy Symposium, The Evolution of Federal Cybersecurity, on June 21st,
1: 2023. I mean, I think one of the parts is obviously there's an educational piece to it. Um, I think where companies get a little lost is that we can't remediate your systems. Um, you know, we can come out and we can advise, but at the end of the day, we don't want to touch the systems at the end of the day. Uh, but, however, the educational piece, you know, when FBI does a great job at this. We do cyber incident response seminars uh, twice a year where we invite, you know, different public sectors. To, you know, we pick a sector. It might be healthcare. It might be uh, educational, retail, what have you, uh, to kind of educate the public on And and two, not only educate, but then what do you do if it happens? Um, That's the other part. And I think that um, I'll bang the drum a little bit of who do you call? Um, and I always say, you know, it, everybody goes, well, the FBI and Secret Service, so who do I call? Which one? I'm like, just call somebody. Uh, we'll work out the details. Uh, and we're great at that. You know, uh, the, Riley and, and his team up here and in, in the Secret Service team in D.C., you know, we're, we're, there's no daylight between what we want as priorities. So we're synced um, as far as that goes. But educating the public on who do you call and what do you do. And then, two internally, and that's for you to do, uh, for companies to do. Uh, like your general counsel, which is usually one of the biggest roadblocks into kind of helping law enforcement and then to providing details for us to kind of help in that for you. Pat's team obviously is a piece of that, right? When they see indicators, that might be the first thing because I trust me, if they're calling, if Riley and I call next, it's a bad day. Um, because usually when we're calling, we're like we're seeing something way larger that we can't necessarily talk about. But we're telling you, you have a problem. Um, so the incident response part, and then to the educational part, again, it's just kind of making, and two, what I get, and I think the overall theme, though, is companies have gotten a lot, lot better. Uh, I think that's based off a lot of the products that companies are now offering, full resource solutions to, to companies, and, and companies are kind of enveloping that because they don't want to go bankrupt because some of these these bad days, these ransomware type of events, they're really, really bad days for companies. <laughs> So how can you resource that and make it a little bit more um, and, and again, companies, private sectors kind of answer the call there and says, hey, we have a full context with here. We're going to add this product. We're going to add this product. And then, two, now you're better protected. So we're seeing less of that as much. However, I'm still and I'm, I, I won't testify for Riley here, but I know that I still get phone calls from companies and I'm like, you don't have that. Um, you know, you don't have that type of solution. And again, I'm not the person that's being critical. I'm just like saying, sometimes I want you to have that solution because it provides me indicators of compromise that I can dig into through our network analysis uh, part. So those parts are incredibly important because if, like I said, to, if you're not reporting, you got to be a good witness. So sometimes that good witness part kind of helps us go after and, and isolate who the bad actors are. Eventually, everybody messes up, and we we're able to uh, many times, and, and uh, I'm sorry, Lee, you've heard this one about 100 times, uh, we can uh, approach people while they're on vacation, which happens quite a bit, and we'll put some handcuffs on them, because Russia and China, no one wants to vacation there. Uh, they want to go to the Maldives, or they want to go someplace, well, I'll give them a nice plane ride to Guam uh, and put them in a the federal courthouse, so uh, that always happens. That's how we kind of, some of our success, but, so. Yeah, thanks.
2: Pat, same question to you, building with cultural awareness, and?
3: I, I, what do you see as the challenges? I think I spend a lot of time really focusing on uh, advocacy of being better aware, being being pu- pushing your awareness way left of boom. I, I think in the cyber realm, of things, especially at the SOC level, uh, the security apparatus level. They're trying to put their finger in the dike too often and, and be reactive. Um, the whole, My whole crux uh, of, of why I even exist today is to help people left a boom. And the more they realize and the more they actually utilize the information in front of them to do real risk analysis, I think it, it would benefit everybody. Um, it's just not the technology, but the time and effort you put into realizing what's affecting everybody, not just me, but other verticals in my same sector. Um, I spend a lot of uh, advocacy um, uh, endorsing that way of thinking. That's what I'd like to see improve. There you go.
2: Well, one of the things, the first time I saw this kind of presentation, one of the first things that came to mind was the old CompStat model, Mm -hmm. basically trying to be predictive to the degree possible in order to take preventive actions. Uh, I'm going to throw this out to industry, and I don't know the answer to this, but an, aff- a, 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 uh, an affiliation, a club, if you will, of industry, taking a look at stuff like this and building that preventive capability. in associ- association, with, I said, I heard it several times this morning or this afternoon, public-private partnership. This is going to be going on for forever. I mean, this is our world now. So how could, what might we consider doing something like that? Now, having said that, uh, the, the, there's two approaches in general terms that I think this is being handled right now. One is by deterrence policies. Basically, to me, that's a human factor, teaching, training, informing, educating, and instituting processes. That's one. And then there's the denial strategies. That's more the kinetic uh, uh, type uh, response to when something is happening. Uh, let me Let me start with uh, with Jason here. Is there a preferred model if and if so, why and if not, uh, beyond those two, what do you see the human factor and then the kinetic industry supported tre supported uh,
1: efforts i don 't think you can isolate one. Uh, I think all of these pieces are you know uh, the Secret Service is traditionally known for our protective methodologies for the president vice president. That is done in a layered approach um, on purpose, because if one layer fails, we have another layer to kind of catch it. The resilience is kind of built in. But there's sections of the pie there. There's a lot of different entities. Uh, That's also part of our cyber mission is, you know, where the president goes, what cameras are there, who controls the elevators, who controls the lights, all these different things. Um, Layered approach. How do we defend against that? How's the best way possible? However, what I will say is we cannot do what we do without a full spectrum of capabilities, both from private industry, uh, private sector, and again our fellow law enforcement partners, CISA, you name it. Everybody kind of helps us do what we have to do. But those are all pieces of the pie that kind of says, we'll kind of be the, Riley and I will kind of be the guys that kind of do the deterrence part, right? We'll go after them, uh, but we all are the denial part. And then the deterrence part has to be another section. Uh, at least in my view, again, to kind of make that full pie of kind of like the, the suite of options that kind of fit in again would be a part of that. Like, what am I seeing now that I see it? And I've, we had this conversation in the back. What do I do about it mm-hmm. now, now that I've seen it? OK, now what do I do about it? And then once I get hit, who's going to go after him? Uh, I think that's in, in line, not that it's done this way, but in line, it's probably going to be how it works, except for probably somebody in here that kind of do the answer response. But then uh, Riley out I will go put handcuffs on people. <laughs> uh, but but I think those, that's kind of how I see it as far as the pie. And, again, it's not just a like one section. It's probably multiple tiers in that pie to kind of make this work mm-hmm. the right way. And it's tough because not everybody is always on the same page regarding what that should look like. And I think there's a lot of great tools out there that kind of help companies do this uh, and to help law enforcement as well. But always, one of the big problems we have is like, how do I make that work in a seamless transition? I don't think we're there yet. But again, because in 1996, it's not that long ago. Yeah, not that long
2: Uh, ago, exactly. Riley, anything you would add to that?
4: I think that um, every major cyber success that the FBI has certainly had, has involved some type of partnership with the private sector. the nature of cyber is is not one that is localized, it's global. And so the FBI is taking, we're leveraging our partnerships with international partners, with private sector partners, and that's the only way that we can be successful. The FBI cannot do this alone. So if we don't have private sector, if we don't have cooperation from the private sector, we're missing a huge piece of the, the pie. I mean, as you see the the slides, that's stuff that is invaluable to investigators in the field to have that kind of visibility worldwide. Um, and that really empowers us to take disruptive actions that prevent the activity from happening. I know something that was very public recently was the takedown of hive ransomware. Um, something that would not have occurred without mm-hmm. without cooperation from the private sector. So those things are incredibly important and without it we aren't going to get anywhere.
3: I think we couldn't um, do anything without public-private partnerships, and, and the the three that I would mention are the um, Cyber Collaboration Center of the, of the NSA, um, uh, Morgan Adamski's folks up up there, the JCDC within DHS, CISA. Um But but more than anything, our relationship with the FBI has been critical, along with Europol and uh, um, Interpol. Um, we we we've been associated and working with them for. years um, longer in my existence in my current position uh, it's critical but those organizations and the the way they bring you in and the way they share information is second to none I, I remember in the run up to the uh, ukrainian invasion before the russians actually crossed the border we were sitting up there and, and from an indications of warning <laughs> perspective they were enab- uh, they were enabling us to be uh, more proactive and then we were also sharing information what we were seeing on the threatscape also so without those organizations endorsing what you're doing sharing information and the way they share and the way they openly communicate is to be applauded I think sure. that paints mm-hmm. a very rosy picture, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would say these mm-hmm. partnerships are
4: incredibly important, but it's incredibly difficult for the FBI to share information back mm-hmm. with the private sector. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the way we gather information, whether it's through legal process that is protected by a court order, there are things that we just can't share. And so it's it, it's important to have relationships like like that, where the other side understands where the difficulties are with us. If it were up to us, we would share everything. As long as it's a trusted relationship, um, and so it's it's incredibly important, but at the same time, it's incredibly difficult too.
3: Yeah. One. Sometimes we just do it on pure trust. Yeah. You know, we, we have to protect our customers' identity. Period. All right. But there's elements that we can provide them in a trusted framework where they can go off, like down in Charlotte or wherever, and they do what they do. All right. We don't ask for anything back. We provide them what we're seeing, and and we we ensure that the privacy is there, protecting our customers but helping them do their job.
0: Thank you for tuning in. You can follow HSDF The Podcast on every major podcast platform. Visit hsdf.org to learn more about the Homeland Security and Defense Forum and HSDF The Podcast.